Hello, welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast, brought to you by the California Capitol Film Office. My name is Charles Lego, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we speak with Carrie Johnson, the executive director of the Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker. RCFL, as they're known, is the largest official USDA food distribution site in the East Sacramento area. In the first year of operations, over 1,500 individuals per month receive food supplies. Staffed by dedicated volunteers and with the help of donations from caring residents and organizations in the local area, RCFL now provides food assistance to about 4,000 food insecure people each month. During our conversation, Carrie and I discussed how the food locker runs, how it operates. We talked about the volunteers and the many, many daily activities that they do. I hope you enjoy the show. The Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker is the official USDA distribution site in Rancho Cordova. So let's start off by telling our audience what is the Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker and what does it mean to be an official USDA distribution site? Uh, the Rancho Cordova Food Locker is a partner agency of Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services and our role is direct distribution to folks in our community that are hungry. So the food banks store the food and distribute it to agencies like ourselves, like the Food Locker, and our role is to get that food to the people that need it the most, to provide access to the food. And that's our role. And what does it mean, USDA? Um, United States Department of Agriculture provides commodity food, non-perishable food, oh. to the food banks across the country. Oh, really? So it starts at the top with Feeding America. It's the largest nonprofit in the entire country. And Feeding America brokers with farmers and acquires food from all of these partners and um, producers, okay. then they take the food, distribute it to the 200 food banks across the United States. Our local food bank is Sacramento Food Bank. They then distribute it. So it's kind of like this pyramid. Pyramid, yeah. Down to all the local agencies who okay. put it in the hands of people that need it the most. Wow. Okay. So the Department of Agriculture, what kind of food do they give you? So we get all sorts of things. It's mostly canned fruits and vegetables, pasta, dried beans, um, peanut butter. From um, the Department of Agriculture. Some of it. Yeah. Yes. Not all the food comes no, from no, there. No, no, no. We'll talk about the rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how long has um, have, has the Rancho Community Food Locker been in operation? And why don't you tell us that? Why don't you tell us the history of it? How did sure. it begin? Um, it's been here a long time. It sits on the campus of St. John Vianney Parish, and it started as a church charity um, with a group of very dedicated members of the parish who saw a need. They recognized that people were hungry. They started collecting food. Walt Little is the founder of the Food Locker, and he put his heart and passion into taking care of people. And that was over 35 years ago. Wow. So what's really interesting, food insecurity has been, or people being hungry, has been a problem in our country for a long time. And they used to call it, and they still do, emergency food response. But emergencies don't last for 40 years. Right. So it's, it's an ongoing um, social service problem. And how much space do you occupy on your current space? About, and, is it, and is it enough? No, it's not even no. close. So um, two year, in 2021, the city of Rancho Cordova recognized that the food locker was a critical social service for the people of Rancho Cordova. And they did a feasibility study to look at ensuring it was sustainable. Um, the food locker had just become a official 501c3 nonprofit. And um, that's important because it gives them the ability to raise money improve their operations. And the city did this feasibility study and saw that one, that they had difficulties with their facilities and buildings, they were aging, um, their refrigeration and freezers were aging. So how could we make this organization sustainable? And one of the, they made several recommendations and one was it needed executive leadership and that's how I came on board. Okay. 
So do you only serve the Rancho Cordova area and do you need to be a resident of the city? To get served. Um, we serve the surrounding areas also, so we don't turn anyone away. Um, if someone comes from Sacramento, we're obviously going to feed them. Um, we serve people on the edges of Folsom, Rossmore, Mather, Gold River, okay, including so Gold quite River. Away. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into how people sure. qualify. We'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But here's and we question. don't turn anybody away. No, but but what how that what do they need to to come? But we'll get into that. Okay. So, Here's something that I was curious about. I came to visit you a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, and I had been there before to do some filming, but um, I had never sort of – you gave us a little tour, mm -hmm. and it was – it was. we'll get into that too. But then as I went away, I thought, can the unhoused come to you? Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. because obviously the food insecure – they must be very food insecure, I would they think, are. right? Yes. So homeless people can come mm -hmm. and just show up and – Yep. Yeah. Anyone, anyone can show up. Okay. And what happens if someone comes to you, they don't have any ID? Are they turned away? Do you need ID? We, it's helpful if you have ID, but we do not require it. It's okay. not mandatory. So um, nobody gets turned away. No one gets turned away. And that's what's really amazing about the service that we provide. One, we have plenty of food. At least right now we do. And, um, and as long as that's the case, no one will be turned away. Okay. So I come to you on Tuesday mm -hmm. and I'm going to stand in line how do I qualify? What do I do? I need anything in order to be served by you? And what process will you sure. ask me? If it's your first time coming to the food locker, one, we want to make it really comfortable for people when they get there. Because you can imagine if you had to make the choice to go to a food locker, things are really rough at right. your house. Right. You're really struggling as a family member or whoever it is. Um, and so we make it easy. We greet people warmly. We ask them if it's their first time. If it is, there's a short form we ask them to fill out that asks for their name and address and zip code, their age, and date of birth. That information stays internally with us in SAC Food Bank. It doesn't go anywhere else. It just gives us the ability to understand who we're who serving, serving. Yeah. and the age range of the people that we're serving. So you, you have a good handle on that. We do. We have yeah. a very strong handle on okay. that. Um, and so then um, if they have an ID, we ask them to show it because we use a barcode system so we can actually scan their back of their ID. It could be a library card. It doesn't have to be a driver's license. And that way, each time they come moving forward, they just scan that card. Um, there are some income requirements. Those income requirements were um, put to the side during COVID. They are starting to return now, um, but it's not, again, mandatory. Okay. Do people abuse it? That's such, I'm so glad you asked me that question because I think, and even but prior to me starting this work, I, I wondered about it myself. And what we know from lots of studies that there is almost no abuse of no. the system. It's very, very limited. Because I can see how often someone comes to any, to my our food locker or any in this entire system in Sac County. Because we all use the same system. Right. So if someone was going from food locker to food locker on a you daily. You would know. We would know. It just doesn't happen. I mean, it probably could, but it's so rare. People don't choose to come to a food locker right. to abuse the system. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a lot of time on your hands, right? To you do would, that. and if you think about it, it's not – people have a lot of pride, and it's we see people feel shame when they have to come. They feel like they've disappointed their family. They're struggling. They would much rather have their own money and be able to go to a grocery right. store and shop like you and I. Right. Well, I got a lot more questions about the Rancho Cordova a community food locker. But first, as is our tradition, we're going to get to know Carrie Johnson. So let's start off with telling us where were you born? Tell us sure. about your parents and your early life. Um, I was born in Oakland, California, in the East Bay. Okay. Um, and I was raised by a single mom. Okay. Um, I have three brothers, so she raised four kids on her own. Wow. We grew up in the East Bay. Yeah. And um, went to high school there, went to... Um, elementary school, then went to junior college, and then met my husband, who also grew up in the East Bay. And uh, when we got engaged, his company, Electronic Data Systems, EDS, moved to Rancho Cordova Wow! in 1982. Right. So we'll get, we're skipping. So I yeah. want to know about your high school days. Um, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school yeah. called Presentation. Right. Um, I still have the same group of friends from high school. We still get together on a regular basis. Wow. They're a fun 
bunch of ladies. Wow. Yeah. And were you a good student? I was an average student. Yeah. I wasn't a great student. I had a lot of responsibility growing up because yeah. I was. Were you um, the oldest? I was the oldest. Yeah. So uh, most of high school I hold, held so down. you were mom, really? I did. My yeah. mom worked two jobs. Yeah. I worked one job all through high school wow. helping with my brothers. And then you took care of everything in the I house. I did. Yeah. I did. Wow. What's the gap between you and your... We're all really close. Um, to my next two years and then one one. Wow. So really close yeah. in ages. I have... Um, I have seven brothers and one sister, believe oh my it or goodness. not. And it goes five years below me. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's every two years. Yeah. So they're all very close as you well. Know, we grew up with very little, but you know, when you're living in that environment, I never felt it. Uh, my mom had a large extended family. I had lots of aunts and uncles around that helped. My grandparents were there. Um, great Italian grandmother who taught me to right. cook. And so um, didn't I didn't feel it. Right. So you're from this area. Really. I'm, I'm from Oakland's Northern California. We're hours, right? fifth it's generation yeah. Californian. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so after high school, was college in your site? I went to a junior college, Yeah. started there, and then uh, transferred to Sac State. You did? To study environmental studies. Okay. So when you left high school, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I left high school, I wanted to save the earth. It was the 70s. I'm not going to yeah. say exactly what year. Right, it dates right. myself. Um I wanted to learn everything about alternative energies and um, recycling. It was something that was never even heard of back then. And so I uh, started studying biology and wow. then environmental studies. Okay. Yeah. And that's what you went to school? Yep. So what was your, like, uh, when I'm done with college, I'm going to be? I wanted to be an environmentalist. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Help save the planet, save the earth. And, right. Um, but. Things change. Right. Your husband came along? <laughs> he did. Yeah. He did. He came along. Right. Never thought I was going to get married and have right. kids and met him. And uh, things changed. We got yeah. married and started a family right away. Right. Well, nothing wrong with that. No, no. And how did you end up in the position you are today? So I've spent, um, I raised my three sons with my husband. Um, I, I, I got to be a stay-at-home mom. We lived, we, lead, we lived lean so that I could do that. Right. And um, how old are your sons? Uh, 38, 36, and 33. Well, okay. So they're all They're older adults. now. They're all yeah. grown yeah, adults yeah. now. But at the time, um, because my husband and I were both raised by single parents, we really wanted two-parent household. Right. We wanted to see if we could make things different from how we grew up. So I got a chance to do that. And um, his company was right here in Rancho Cordova. He drew a map with a pinpoint in the center of where the company was, did a five-mile radius and said, we will live in this spot. He wanted to be able to be there to coach Little League and all the things that parents want to do. So you've been here a while then in We Rancho? have been here since 1982. Ooh, that's 40 years. Yeah. 40 plus years. Yeah. So yeah. you've seen some changes. Yes. When, he, when we came up here, I'll never forget, in his CJ5 Jeep, we hit that hot weather in June, 100 and something right. degrees. We'd never seen that kind of weather right, in the right. Bay Area. Um, I don't think I even really owned a pair of sunglasses. That's how much I wasn't used to the heat. And uh, his building was the only thing that was under construction on the Zinfandel Drive exit. There was nothing there. Wow. Absolutely nothing. So were you, I know you're very involved with the city. Were you involved in the whole 2003? No. No? I was a busy mom back yeah. then. And um, I was working in nonprofits at the time. I was a regular citizen of Rancho. I loved the community. I don't think I had a great appreciation for the way the city takes care of its citizens yeah. until I became in this role. Right. And um, I've always admired the parks. We live along the American River Parkway. And uh, I thought that the civic amenities were always incredible in this town. But I don't think I really understood the impact of city government on right. that. Right, right, Just right. To, you know, I was just and a regular person. the city of Rancho Cordova is... Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it's a great. Phenomenal. It's incredible what they do. It really is. So how did you get into the position, like with the food bank? How did that come about? So I, like I mentioned, worked in nonprofits. But let me ask you before. I call it food bank. It's must food I, locker. I, Thank I must you. call it food locker, right? Yes, we're a food yeah. locker. A food bank is a warehouser of food. Okay. We are a distributor of food. Okay. That's kind of the distinction. I was and wondering, but I'm... I, I always go by names, and you call yourself a food locker, but Great. I always slip back to it, but I'm going to be That's very okay. careful yeah. and call it a food locker. Food banks are much, much larger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, Shelly Blanchard with the Cordova Community Council, 
reached out to me a couple of years ago and said that the Food Locker was looking for um, an executive director. Would I be interested? I said, you know, I had a current position at the time. Um, I love the idea that it was here in my hometown. Um, and she said they were working through this might be a possibility. So I just kind of waited. And then a few other people in Rancho Cordova reached out to me and said, they're going to post this position. Um, I read the job description. It looked like a great challenge. And I love a challenge. I love the idea that the role was right here in my own town and that I could take all the talents that I have gained over the last 20 years working in nonprofit to help the city of Rancho Cordova right. and the people locally. So now let's get back to why you're here, and that's to talk about the Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker. So we'll just skip through a quick, quick sort of sure, laundry. Sure. So what what are the days of service and hours? We're well, open currently Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9.30 to 12.30 to serve okay. the public. Mm -hmm. And how many volunteers does it take for you to operate on a daily basis? Thank you for asking that because it takes a good 20 to 25 volunteers every day. Per day? Per day. Wow. Per day. Now, that's not counting the days we're not open, but on the days that we're open, it takes 20 to 25. And here's why. We're serving now, on average, 250 families a day. So in three hours, we have to move thousands of pounds of food to people. And it takes, it takes a whole village of folks to do that. So anybody, and we'll get to, at the end, we'll talk about how people can get involved, but just mm -hmm. to skip forward. So I'm listening to this and I think, you know, this sounds like really cool. I can do that three hours a day, three, mm -hmm. four hours a day, three mm -hmm. days a week. What kind of, and I'm thinking, well, what can I do? So what can I do? Sure. What kind of jobs are there? So there are um, a couple of computer jobs because we, when we check in our guests, it's all done on a computer right. system. And then most of it is handling the food, packing the grocery bags, getting them in the grocery carts, greeting the guests that are coming, helping them with their grocery carts out to their cars, and then uh, retrieving those grocery carts and packing more food. It's just a constant cycle. Oh, okay. So I come in and mm -hmm. I get some, I, I get a little, uh, um, a bar, um, a grocery, shopping, sure. a grocery basket. Yeah. And you, but you're, one of your volunteers are going to come back with me to the car. No, no, no. One of the things that um, we want to make sure is that people have a dignified experience and they don't need someone traipsing alongside them to right. their grocery, uh, to their car. So we pass off the grocery cart to the guests. They take it to their car. But because we have parking constraints on the campus where we're at, um, we have to quickly retrieve those carts out of the parking lot so the next car can come in. Oh, I see. And because we're moving so many right, people. Right, right, right. So how many a day? Um, upwards of 250 house households, not individuals. No. Households. So the whole ha the whole family comes? Well, one person comes, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes we do have the whole family but come. But two, at least two, right? Like two or one person. You know, mom yeah. may come or the grandmother from the household. Um, but we, we track folks by their household size so whether you're in a household of one or two three to four five or more that also we adjust the amount of food we give you right. because obviously someone that's got a larger household needs more food than right. someone that's just single okay so i'm gonna jump um, that's okay so that just made me think so i'm i'm coming to you for help and mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this so people who don't know can yeah they understand so i'm coming to you for help mm-hmm so it's me, my wife, and I've got three children. Mm -hmm. Am I going? And then my friend is just him and his wife. Sure. So is there a difference to what we mm -hmm. get? Yep, there's there a difference is. in the quantity of food. Oh, I see. So we're trying to give folks about a week's supply of okay. food, and obviously, if you've got a family of five versus two, you need more food. So that's how we gauge it. So you may get more bread in your in your grocery cart, or you're going to get two dozen eggs versus one dozen eggs, more produce. Okay. You know, it's just the same way as if a person would shop for the size of their family. And on the days that you're open, are there, when you get there, are there people already there? Lining yes, up? every day there are people yeah, there. Wow. Right. What time do they get there? Um, usually anywhere from between 8 and 8.30, they start lining up. Wow. I think there's a fear out there for people that are struggling that, that the food's going to run out. And right. I think... One of the messages I can share with people is that I don't believe, and I say that based on a lot of good factual information, we will run out of food. Right. And I'll share with you why a little later. Sure. 
So on the days that you don't operate, do the volunteers still, you still need yes. volunteers? Tuesdays and Thursdays, we process food. Right. So we have trucks running. So that's five, the heavy work, that's, right? Um, it's, it's very active, all of the work. You're on your feet, you're moving right. a lot. But on Tuesday, Thursday, we receive pallets full of food. It has to be sorted, bagged for people. If it's produce, we have to sort it, get it ready into individuals. That's all done on the two days. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we process food. how many people do you need for that? We we need at least a dozen on those days. Yeah. So you have trucks that are coming in just like a supermarket. It is just like a supermarket. We have two trucks going every day. You do? Yes. So like 18 wheelers? No. Um, we have a 24-foot truck and then a um, a smaller yeah, cab-over yeah. truck. Oh, okay. And the, we're going to all the local grocery stores to recover food. So we have two roles, right. food distribution and, and food recovery. I see. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked earlier about the church. How do you pronounce Vianney? St. John Vianney. Vianney. Mm-hmm. How do they work with you? So they're our neighbor. Yeah. We are uh, the Ranch Cordova Food Locker is part of Catholic Charities. Right. So we have a deep connection to the Catholic Church um, and a partnership with them. They have been great neighbors to us and given us the buildings and the land and the parking lot to use um, at no cost for all these years. Wow. So they're not really involved other than allowing you to use their mm-hmm. property, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I took a look at their website. They really promote the They do because it's market. it's a really important service for the parishioners of that church also. Right. One thing I learned on this podcast is that Rancho Cordova has um, 65 languages or 80 languages that are spoken in this mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. Which tells me that there's a lot of people from all over the world. Here. There are. So do you, so on, do you have a need for volunteers that speak other languages? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely, we do. Yeah. Um, about a third of the people that we serve are uh, refugees and immigrants. Wow. Um, we from have, all over. From all over, but right now, predominantly, is folks from Ukraine and Russia, and from Afghanistan. So do you need people yes. that speak those languages? We actually do you res- have any? I do. You I do. have um, several volunteers that speak Ukrainian and Russian. We do not have anyone that speaks Farsi, which we could really use. Right. Um, we have three volunteers that speak Spanish right. that help with the Hispanic community. So Indian. Isn't there a big Indian community here? There are, but we don't seem to have any um, no. language barriers. Okay. So now we know how you how your day to day now let's get to the to the nitty gritty so where do you get your where does a food locker get the food that mm-hmm. they distribute um a couple of sources so the majority of our food comes from Sacramento Food Bank the USDA and the emergency food uh supply we receive from them those are all non-perishable so cans cans mm-hmm, dried beans pasta those sorts of things canned meat the bulk of that comes from Sac Food Bank. We do get some produce from them. Often we get eggs lately and some dairy, but it's it's limited based on whatever's available. The other largest portion of food that we receive is through a program called Grocers Feed the Hungry, part of Senate Bill 1383, which requires all the large grocery stores to take surplus food, food that's not expired, that they would otherwise throw in the dumpsters. So it's a law. It is now a law. It wow. became law um, a year ago. Okay. It's now became enforceable in January of this year. So our trucks go to Rayleigh's and Sprouts and Bel Air and Walmart and grocery outlet right, and pick, and pick up, up food okay. and Costco. Right. So I recently became interested in food pantries. I think it was during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, that I think they exploded. Did you find that during the pandemic? Yes. The, the, numbers, the demand exploded. The demand went was very, so, very high. And I would see, you know, especially on the East Coast in New York and the big, big metropolitan mm-hmm. cities, people would line up there for hours before they mm-hmm. opened. And it, it really made me interested. And then I thought, well, what do these food lockers and food banks in some cases, what do they offer? And I have to be honest, the assumption I have was that it was all non-perishable, cans, packets, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But when I came to visit you, I would have been in Safeway. I remember <laughs> we went into your big sort of room there, mm-hmm. and I was very impressed and delighted to see the amount of fresh produce that you had. Mm-hmm. And that you had bread, which I recognized immediately to be from Costco, mm-hmm. um, that you offer. I mean, I could have been at Safeway mm-hmm. or Costco. So how important is it to offer 
fresh produce. And I would imagine that they are really popular amongst the clients. And I'm sure that it can really change the lives of these families, I would think. It really could. And this is a relatively new development for the food locker. So um, we've made these great partnerships with the grocery stores, with the support of SAC Food Bank, and then our outreach and um, an education of the grocery stores, too, to, to understand what this bill means for them and how they do food recovery. So we've just, in the last few months, started to get more and more produce. It's still not enough for everyone we serve, but it is, if you think about food as medicine, and it really is for of people. Yeah. So if they're getting fresh produce yeah. and fresh food, how healthy that is for their do children. You get fruits? We do get fruits and yeah. vegetables. Um, and especially for a lot of our immigrant clients, they don't know what to do with canned food. They've not had that in right. their other countries. Right. And with people with young families and seniors, the more produce we can provide them, um, the better for their health. And milk? We get milk occasionally, not very not, often. Not, okay. not not often. So let's give these partners a plug. So I know, obviously, Costco. We've talked. Costco. So who else? Sprouts here in Rancho Cordova, the new store. We pick up from them every day. Incredible amounts of food, beautiful food that they provide us. Safeway here in Rancho Cordova. Walmart. Um, Walmart as mm -hmm, well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get quite a bit of meat from Walmart. You do? So what Walmart yeah. does is they take the meat off the shelves prior to it expiring, and they put it into the freezer for us. And then we pick it up frozen, and we maintain it frozen until we're ready to distribute it. Okay. So it's just a wonderful partnership. Um, grocery Outlet, the local grocery outlet, provides us with food also. So in an ideal world, what would you like from the grocery conglomerates or, or the large food stores or restaurants, etc., who throw away all this food? What In an ideal world, what should they be doing? They should be reaching out to us to partner with them so that we can pick up that food while it's still um ready Good. to be eaten yeah. and edible and so that people can use can eat it i mean there's a lot of hungry people out there a lot of hungry people yeah. and i think most people don't know what it's like to truly be hungry i mean there's one thing between you know yeah, lunch yeah. and dinner and right. your stomach starts to growl right. but i think if people could imagine what it's like to eat very limited amounts of food for many many days on end and that's true hunger and that's what we're trying to alle alleviate and is people. that i mean People don't know. I mean, you they do know. Is know. it a problem? It's a huge problem, it not is. just here in Rancho Cordova, but in the entire county and in the entire country. I went to Cap to Cap last week on the Food and Ag Committee, and we advocated for food insecurity and what we can do from a national level. So going back to the restaurant, so if I have a restaurant, do restaurants, like, would they throw So we have food? two. Um, we have two restaurants that we work with, Chick-fil-A, Okay. Um, we pick up a lot of their um, uh, pre-made salads and things from them that they overproduce, and so we then we redistribute them. It's not on an everyday basis, but maybe a couple times a week. So they give them to you in containers. In containers, oh, just so you like just you would give the containers yep, to the customer. Yep. To the and client. then we just give it right okay. back out. To, and we turn. And the thing about our system is that we have to receive the food quickly, keep it you know safe in cold storage, yeah. and then turn around and get it right back out. We right. don't hold on to the food. And who's the other one? Um, the local bagel store here gives us bagels every week. Okay, I love yeah, bagels. We yeah, we do too. And the, yeah. and the um, guests really appreciate that. So for anybody who might think, oh, I'm going to get bad food, do you have to, are you governed by the health department? We are 100% governed yeah. by the health department. All of our paid staff um, have health certificates through Sanitary. Yes, food handling certificates. Yeah. Um, we're very careful with. And you're the regulated food. with the temperature control and we all are. that stuff. We are. We get yeah. inspected on a regular basis. Yeah. We just had our inspection, and um, they did not find one fault in our system. They actually praised us. Right. So yes, the food is. We check for expiration dates. Um, we make sure that the food is good quality before we redistribute. Okay. If things are dented or boxes are, you know, not in good condition, we do not redistribute them. Right. And if someone, and this is something I, I always put myself in that mm -hmm. position. So if someone is, you know, needs you and they're, they're insecure with the food and, you know, but they live far away and they don't have a car. So let's say you're in, you're right here a few, sure, a sure. few minutes from us. But let's say I live, you know, the other end of Zinfandel and mm -hmm. Sunrise. That's a, that's a trek. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a car. Correct. Is there anything you can do for me? So we're working really hard to find a solution for that. Um, we don't have a regular delivery system, but we will. That's yeah. one of our goals for next year. Is we're all about getting the 
people the food they need wherever they might be at. Right. right now, we do have a group of volunteers that are helping us. We have about 15 seniors in a certain geographical area that we bring the food to them every week. Okay. And we're also doing that with so the like vet- mini food lockers. No, we're no, just take it we're taking from them and we take it right to their house. Oh, mm-hmm. so you do like the delivery service? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, it's something that you know we don't have capacity to do a lot of right now. Right. But as we grow our volunteer base, if there's seniors that want, so that would be a wish list for you to be able be to do t- that. Absolutely, because yeah. I think you know there's light rail, but um, it's hard to get there, and oh, a lot yeah. of people don't have cars right now no, no. or not driving. Yeah. So um, we're looking at ways for. Uh, us to get the food yeah. where people need. We have a woman that lives in a senior complex. She comes and picks up the food for all 15 people in her complex that need the food. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we we have that scheduled twice so a that's month. That's what's community. It really market. is. Yeah. It is. Um, we've talked about what you, what you have. Um, what other things do you provide other than food? Because I know you do. Yes, that's a great question. Um, we also are a diaper depot. So we can provide families with a full month supply of diapers, which, as you can imagine, if you have a young family, um, that's a huge expense right now. Diapers well, are expensive. That, they're really big to carry. And, they are. Yeah. Well, it's more the expense for families. Yeah. And um, it's a program through SAC Food Bank and the Department of Health and Human Services. They recognize that um, folks that are struggling financially we're reducing the amount of time, number of times they were changing their children's diapers, which can cause all kinds of health right. issues for children. So um, we now have this two-year grant through Sac Food Bank. They, we have full array of diapers in every size a family might need, and they can come once a month and get a full supply wow. for each child in their household. Like who knew that? Yeah, it's wonderful. And um, what I saw toiletries there. I saw sure. all sorts of we, things. We've had we have great volunteer groups who have collected toiletries for the unhoused. Um, oftentimes, in addition to food, we get non-food items like laundry detergent and shampoo, you know, all the things that you and I shop for in the grocery store. And we didn't have a system for it. And we recently opened something called, we call it Maxine's Store because it's led by one of our volunteers. And so once a week, um, if you're at the food locker, they can go over there and get a shampoo or whatever other item we have. It changes every week. Whatever we have, we give it right back out. Toothpaste, dish soap. And where did you soap, get that from? That comes from the grocery stores, too. It does? It does. Okay. It does. Plus, people donate it to us. Oh, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about what people can, mm-hmm. how people can help you. Now, I'm sure running an organization, a great organization mm-hmm. like you do, can be very re- rewarding. I can definitely see the rewards. But I'm also certain that there are a lot of challenges. There are. So what would you say are the most rewarding aspects of what you do and the most challenging mm-hmm. things of what you do? The most rewarding is helping people. And um, on a regular basis, I get hugs and people tell me their stories. They let me know when they've had a success. We get people who are unhoused. You know, they're trying to get out of the system. And two months go by. They come once a week. And at the end of that two months, they're telling me, good news, Carrie, we just got into a house. You know, we worked with the navigator, the homeless navigator, and we're moving in with the children. You know, they've been living in a car for two months, coming to us to get ready to eat food. So, you know, hearing those successes is probably the most rewarding thing. And and knowing that we have enough food to help people. And what are some of the challenges? So the organization was run by, you know, mostly par- a couple of part-time staff when I started, um, had limited volunteers, um, didn't have a strong facility system. And so the challenges um, have been putting all these new systems in place from an operational standpoint, improving our business practices. Um, it's kind of like a startup. I would say, right. this food locker. Um, we now, a year later, we have all those systems in place and things are running really smoothly. I think the other challenge is people not understanding about food insecurity right. and having those judge, pre-judge, which we all right. do, judgments no, 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 about no. it. The pre-judgment is absolutely... It's huge. Yeah. And so They go to the food locker. Well, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when... How, how do you fix that? It's really a culture shift that we've been trying to make is to let people know that, you know, for the grace of God, there go I. Right. And how, as part of this community, can you be compassionate and caring for other people? It's our volunteers treat everyone with absolute respect. You look them in the eye when they come to see you. And I think talking about it more in the community, people understand what we do and they can come see it. We've increased our volunteers. Uh, We have big groups of corporate volunteers coming all the time. So they get to see it and then they can send that information out to the community. Um, 
what where do you see the rancho food locker in in the future and i'm not giving you a year or three years off it's up to you sure but what is your vision for so part of um that feasibility study i talked about that the city did and the board of directors when they hired me my role is to make the turn the food locker around and make it a really sustainable long-lasting social services service for this community um, the goal was to do that in two years. In the first year, we were pretty close to making it sustainable. Now we've looked ahead for some larger goals. One is we need a larger facility. We need a more efficient facility. And so recently we've received a very large grant that's going to give us the ability to build a whole new food center. Oh, you're actually going to build it. Well, or retrofit or an existing building. Is so what you we're may looking move? At. We will move. We will keep part of our operation on that campus because we're a it's an important spot for us to be. We have a strong connection to the church there, um, but we we are bumping into them in the parking lot. You know, if there's a school activity there, the parking lot gets full. So we've got some constraints around what we can and can't do on that campus. And is there a reason you don't open five days a week? Yeah, because we we can't the school because of the school and the church. There's masses and funerals that are taking place. Um, there's not enough parking for people to come in. So our the days that we're open are what work for that parish and that's how they were established we really need to look at food how we're going to get people food when they need it so right. if you're a working poor which is the majority of who we serve these are people that are working but just can't make it through the end of the month and need food you can't come between 9 30 and 12 30 because you're at work right. so we need to have open hours like from 4 30 to 7 30 right, right. and so by having a new location are the larger food banks open longer oh hours? yeah a lot of them are have are they? evening hours a lot of them have saturday hours okay so we really have to adjust that in the future um people come to you i would imagine at their most vulnerable times they do and you've got this big well-known church next door to you is another and this is just me thinking is this another is another service you offer or could you offer or do you any type of counseling or spiritual type of help? Not at all. That's no. not our role at all. No, no. That really isn't. That's our, another. That's other another organizations can do yeah. that. Yeah, that's not okay. what we do. Um, we're there to provide food. Um, one of the things that we can be, though, is a resource center for right. people. So we've had the homeless navigators through the right. city of Rancho Cordova come Which on board. My, my next question, actually, when I came to visit with you, there was members of, was it the neighborhood services that were there? Um, it was uh, code enforcement and neighborhood yeah. services. And they were there, set mm -hmm. up in your parking lot. And you told me why they were there, which was very impressive. Um, I was very impressed with why they were there. So why don't you tell us sure. why do they come there and how did you partner with them? So um, when I first started um, and I started to observe that we had um, some unhoused folks coming to the food locker. And one of the things that was happening is that they were, the unhoused folks had to go in a separate line than the regular oh, guests. did they? Yes. And Ooh. I couldn't figure out why, but I think there's a bit of being uncomfortable around someone that's homeless. I, and I can, we can all understand that. Um, and so I, as we shifted in how we served our, our clients, and we went to people lining up versus staying in their cars, we merged everybody together, and it worked out just fine. Sometimes people know someone's homeless, sometimes they don't. And one of the things that we try to do is make sure if they are homeless or unhoused, that we're giving them ready-to-eat food versus the full grocery cart that the other guests are getting who can cook their food. Right. In addition, I had met with the folks at the city, and they had this homeless navigator program. They needed somewhere to meet with the clients. Well, they're coming to us, made sense. So I invited them onto the campus. They set up the table twice a week. And those unhoused guests know they're going to be there. They can get mail through them. They can get resources. They can find out about housing and medical treatment. It was a win-win. Wow. Okay. How do they get mail? Like the mail so, goes to the city? Yes, the, city, the um, navigators. They, and they bring it to them? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, because if you imagine, if you're trying to get out of homelessness, one, you need a mailbox to get your ID, to get whatever services you need or paperwork, and you can't receive those things. It's just another um, roadblock right. to getting you out of that yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect, perfect sense. Mm -hmm. How do the homeless find out about you? Just word of mouth? Um, right now, I believe it is just word of yeah. mouth. Yeah. Um, that I'll might be a question for the homeless navigators. Yeah. 
Is, are some months busier than others or times of the year, for example, for you? Right now. Or is now, the same all the time? Well, it's not the same all the time. When I started with the Food Locker March of last year in 22, um, we were serving about 80 households a day, three times a week. Today, fast forward, um, last week uh, we had a huge day. We served 275 families. We're averaging about 250 a day. That's a 200 plus percent that's increase. That's three hours, right? In three hours. So, so from 80 families in math, three hours. That's mm -hmm. like 75, roughly 75 um, families an hour. It's a little more than that, yep. So that's a minute, one a minute. It is. Or, or it's a, it's fast. Wow, that is fast. It is. And so we've improved. So that's why you keep moving them. Mm -hmm. And you that's, we've had to, them. you know, maximize our operation system so that we can meet the need. That's one of the biggest things we've had to do. Wow. Okay. What is the nearest food pantry, locker, whatever, mm -hmm. close to you? What's the next one? There are two close to us. One is in Orangevale, the Ferox Orangevale food locker up on Main Avenue. And then there's another one on Sunrise, Upper Sunrise Boulevard. Oh, okay. And, you know, we all work together to serve the community. Um, in January, uh, during the storms, we lost one of our buildings, and we had to close for several weeks. Those two food lockers, um, we were able to redirect our clients or guests to those other food oh, okay. lockers. It wasn't easy for, the, for some of them because it was a longer drive, but at least they were there to help us. And you probably answered this, but do... The directors of all the food pantries in the region, do they all know each other? Which I'm sure they do, right? Um, and do you work together, exchange idea, resources? We all are under the umbrella of Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. We meet together as a group um, probably once a month, one, once to twice a month Yeah. over a Zoom call. So who's the umbrella that you're under? Who runs that? Sacramento Food Bank and yeah. Family Services yeah. um, is run by a board of trustees. And but a, is it the city? No, it's, it's a non-profit. They are non profit. They're a yeah. Catholic charity, just like okay. us. Okay. So Sac Food Bank. They're huge. They're a food bank. Yeah. Remember, so they're, they're a warehouse just, or a yeah. food. Mm -hmm. Okay. How does the um, current economic climate of the time impact it's, you? Well, and if you look at those numbers, from eighty families a day to over two hundred and fifty families a day, in one year, inflation has had a huge impact on the people we serve. You look at the cost of food for seniors. When you know six months ago. Our numbers of seniors just kept climbing, and they're still climbing today because they're on a fixed income and prices keep going up. They're having to make really tough choices about do I get my prescriptions or do I eat? Do I pay my rent or do I eat? We can help them with that. Wow. And then I was going to say, and I think we've touched on it, but it must be very heartbreaking. When we talk about seniors, it must be heartbreaking for you and your volunteers to see people coming to you. Um, especially elderly for the first time because they're very proud. Very. They're taking care of themselves, mm -hmm. you know, all their lives. Maybe, you know, they've lost a spouse. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure some of them are very embarrassed or see it as a stigma. They do, very there. much so. Um, how do you and the staff handle this? And I, more importantly, do you train the staff to handle that situation? Ha, absolutely. So that's been one of the biggest um, accomplishments over the last year at the Food Locker, that um, we've been able to change that culture of the volunteers saw it as this is charity for someone else. Now the approach is this is my neighbor. How can I help take care of them? And so we greet people differently. We talk to them. And the change happened by educating the volunteers and the staff about who we're serving. I think there, even with volunteers, there's a perception of who's there to get food. And when you start to realize it's people in your neighborhood, it's young families who are struggling, people that lost a job, you, you change your perspective of how you think about them. Right. And so we work really hard about that culture change. So what? So I'm coming to volunteer with you and you've accepted me. What is my training process? So um, what's really wonderful is that we now have a full-time staff member that does that for us because it's, a, as you can imagine, 25 volunteers every day. Um, it takes a lot of effort to recruit them and train them. Um, initially, they get a tour of the facility. Then they, go, they get matched up with another person who's an existing volunteer and get more training. And then I provide them with a tour, talk about our mission, and the culture and why we exist. And I think them understanding the bigger picture um, gets them excited about how they're going to approach right. their, their service. So it's a day or two? Day. Oh, it's all, it can all be done in a day. In a day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So their first day, 
they're going to get to know everything. Well, not maybe everything. Yeah, but almost. Uh, yeah, it's not um, super complicated. The, the since the the pandemic, and we're still talking about the pandemic because mm -hmm. it's still sort of affecting us. We've seen a huge rise in food prices everywhere across the everywhere. board. I mean, mm -hmm. even I notice. Think it. about I how never much. Noticed. Yeah. I never noticed. Someone would say to me, "How much is a what of milk?" I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I don't drink milk, but for example, it's a lot. I have no idea how much things are. I just mm -hmm. buy them. Yeah. But I've noticed yep. that they're much more expensive. How did that impact you, or does it impact you? That has been the biggest impact. It is. And um, does it impact your suppliers as well? Is it a chain reaction? I think there's, um, and that's something more that Sac Food Bank would feel. Um, I think there's been certain products that we don't get very often. For a while, we weren't getting eggs when the whole egg price right. skyrocketed, and then they realized that's there the were one plenty. I noticed, by the way. And I went to the supermarket one day, and they were like $7. $7. I what? For eggs? Double the they price. They used to be three. Yes. <laughs> and that's exact. So, and for you, you know, how lucky are we that you right. and I can go in the grocery store and just right. buy without right, thinking right. about that price? But if you're on a fixed income and you have a family or you're a senior, of course. and eggs for seniors is a great source of protein. Right. So um, that was one of the things that they had to eliminate out of their diet really quickly. And they told me that when they would come. So when we would have eggs, they would be thrilled. But food prices, at the time when gas prices went really high, all of a sudden we saw more people coming in during that time. But I think with inflation and the cost of food, that has probably been the biggest impact. We're seeing people coming in that are losing jobs recently. That's happened in the last 60 to 90 days. So I think there's a lot of factors that are affecting families. What about the holidays? Thanksgiving and Christmas, I would imagine, is a very difficult time of the year for people mm -hmm. who rely on you and your services. And um, I'm so glad you asked about that because um, the Ranch Cordova Food um, Locker has had a great tradition of providing holiday food at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But the um, And we did it this last year. It was my first time as the executive director, you know, running this. And we serve, you know, over 800 to 1,000 families in those days at Christmas and one day at Christmas and one day at Thanksgiving. And I think it's a great tradition. So more people for those? Yes. And what we know is that people come from out of the area for this. Okay. Um, and, and what are you giving them? Like turkeys? and Turkeys or a grocery gift card. Okay. So one of the things is if I'm going to have enough turkeys for that many people, I have to have enough refrigeration and storage for all of that. SAC Food Bank um, provides us with a lot of turkeys. A lot of community members do turkey drives for us, which is wonderful. Um, but again, where can I put all those frozen turkeys? It takes up a lot of space. So last year and the year before, Sac Food Bank gave us grocery cards from Bel Air for $15 to $20 so people can go and buy their own turkey. Okay. And the other thing that we knew, because we surveyed these folks these last year, is that a lot of them don't eat turkey. A lot of the immigrant families have no idea what to do with a right, big turkey. Right. And if you live in a small apartment and we're giving you an 18-pound yeah, yeah. turkey. Yeah, I don't eat turkey. Yeah. So um, it's a great tradition. But one of the things that we're going to shift towards in this coming holiday season is we're going to remain open. Many of the food lockers close for two to three weeks at a time during the holidays. They do? They do. Across the board. And I keep thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, it's winter. Times are tough. and That doesn't really make a lot of sense It to doesn't. Me. I'm no. glad you said that. I don't yeah. think it does either. So we're going to look at doing something different this year, maybe staying open more often and providing food on a weekly basis versus just doing a big mega distribution. Do you give people just food or any sort of liquids that they can drink? Oh, we get a lot of drinks donated, everything from bottled water to juices. Oh, so to, they get, they get mm -hmm. drinks as well. And um, we get a lot of unhealthy drinks and sugary yeah, drinks. Yeah. We try not to distribute those, right. though. Yeah, no, those are poison. Yeah. Um, in the Sacramento region here, we're surrounded by farms. I, Isn't that amazing? We are the farm to fork capital. Right, everywhere. Do you work with any of the farms to glean any excess of unwanted produce that they may have? Or even, you know, in like East Sacramento is kind of where I lived. Mm -hmm. um, there's fruit everywhere on the there street. Is. It just drops. Yes. Oranges and everything. Well, we're really fortunate to um, have a neighbor right around the corner from us, Soilborn Farms. And they do an annual gleaning of 
fruit trees like you have in yeah. your neighborhood. And we pick up all that fruit and get to redistribute it to the folks that we serve. So you do. And you approach farmers or not really? Is that must be? I, don't I would know imagine a, that's a big task. I would it think. is. And I think that that's something that the level of SAC Food Bank that they can right. do. Um, I don't know that we have any other farms other than Soilborn in Rancho Cordova. I think that's our only farm. Right. And so they do provide us with excess. They'll call up and say, I've got excess lettuce. And we'll drive over and get this beautiful lettuce. And we turn around and redistribute that. But um, there are some plans in the future for us to partner with Soilborn and to maybe have our own urban farm so that we can have enough produce yeah, to serve everybody. That would be good if you could it? grow. That would yeah. be awesome. It's something that's Soilborn, they grow a lot of food? They have 25 acres out there. And, and they actually grow food? Oh, absolutely yeah. they do. You have to go visit it. It's pretty I, I actually did go. Um, yeah. No, I went, but I think I went in the winter. Oh, okay. I don't think you need to go then. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's too cold, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for the for food. But I did buy food from there, though, mm -hmm. that they grow, and it was it was very nice. We're open to any kind of partnership with any type of food producer that wants to help us out. I mean, we really have to look for all those opportunities out there because the, the need's growing. Right. Do you think it's going to get bigger, the need? Um, based on what's happening in Sac County and in California, absolutely. And it's not we're not the only organization that's seen it. Um, all of our peer organizations are seeing the numbers increase. Wow. Yeah. And what is the reason for that? Inflation. The economy. The economy. Um, unemployment. Also, there's so many factors. But you say unemployment, and then you hear that there's only a three percent unemployment rate in this country Correct, right now. Correct, but it's also sal wages and salaries. I mean, think about what it costs for a family to um, be able to pay the high. That's the other thing is the high cost of housing is right. having a the huge. The housing is the biggest Housing cost. is probably yeah. one of the biggest yeah. issues yeah. that are facing folks. Yeah. What is your biggest need today? Fresh produce and ready-to-eat meals. We had an opportunity the latter half of last year to partner with a program called Family Meal which was an offshoot from the Great Plates program that happened during the pandemic. Um, it was started by a group of restaurateurs, um, Clay Nutting um, of Cannon Restaurant and Patrick Mulvaney. And they were have carried family meal forward. It's a fully cooked restaurant quality meal, highly nutritious. And when we had those meals, we were getting 200 a week. That's a huge game changer for seniors, for our veterans who don't have that ability to get that highly nutritious quality meal. Those kind of packaged meals like that that are ready to eat have a huge impact on the people we serve. But how many did they give you? We were getting 200 a week. Whoa. Mm -hmm. They and were making them for they, you? Yes. So they part. They have. They had four restaurant partners. One was right here in Rancho Cordova, Costa Vida. And they, each restaurant would bring us 50 ready-to-eat meals. And then we identified very specific populations that we thought needed most. Veterans, seniors, um, our unhoused students in the Folsom Cordova Unified School District. We were partnering with them to get the meals there. Um, high school students also that needed to take it home to their families on Fridays. So hopefully we're going to get that program to continue. In what the restaurant chain is this? It's a group. Um, it's called Family Meal is the program. They partner with many restaurants oh, throughout I the see, area. I see. And it not only is it I thought it was a restaurant chain. No, 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 no. no, no. no. It's yeah. It's, it's a, an organization it's an, that partners with the restaurants. With restaurants. So it does two things. It provides highly nutritional nutritionist nutritional meals yeah. to families. Um, it also keeps restaurants that are still trying to come back from the pandemic um, with a great source of income so that they're producing these foods. They get paid for it. Um, and it really helps boost the economy all the way around. It's a full circle. Yeah. Um, if you had a list of items that you most need for people listening. so not They want from, to donate? Yeah. So sure. I'm sitting at home and I think, okay, you know what? I can, I can go to the supermarket yeah. and do a shop mm -hmm. for the food locker. What do you need? What would I, what would you want me to go to Safeway and bring to you? Um, rice, beans, canned soup. We don't need canned vegetables, but we need canned soup. Um, we also need vegetable oil, you know, cooking oil. We don't get any of that. Flour and sugar, we don't get any of that. So those are all basic ingredients that everyone has at home. Um, and uh, we also need adult diapers. Adult diapers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's huge. Yeah. Huge. Because for seniors, that's a big expense. Wow. And we, you know, they ask us about them all the time. Wow. Okay. But I can tell you the 
And I appreciate that people want to donate food, and we have a lot of but programs. But is it better that they just give you money, though? Does money 100%. help? Yeah. Does money help? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So, remember, we have to... We have staff to pay. We have lights to keep on. We have refrigerated units that require right. a lot of power and maintenance. We have trucks and fuel for those trucks. Um, we have a lot of operational costs. So cash donations are always um, right. really, really appreciated. And then, you know, Rancho Cordova is the hub for business. Correct. You know, they say... We have a population of eighty thousand, but sixty-five thousand come in every day. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of big, mm -hmm. very cash-rich businesses in this town. Do you approach them? Are you Absolutely. able to? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, my background's in fund development and fundraising, yeah. so um, we have been partnering with several different companies recent, and we're getting a lot of those companies um, are joining our board of trustees. So recently, Solodime. Um, placed one of their um, staff on our board. So those kind of connections to the corporate environment really helped and did us. Did they come to you or did you go to they them? They came to us. They did. So they started by- So that's um, better, right? They called they, up yeah. and wanted a group of their their employees to come volunteer, which was tremendous. Um, I got to meet with them and one of them was very interested in serving on our board. And these are high level people, right? Uh, her name's Jane Jackson and yeah. she is the um, head of global- construction wow. for wow. Solodine. Look so we're that. thrilled to have her on yeah, our board. Yeah, yeah. So these aren't the volunteers from the corporations are not the people that answer the phones. These are the like uh, uh, there there's a whole range. Yeah. I mean we just had Lion Realty come volunteer. They brought fifteen volunteers for the day and volunteered with us. Um next Wednesday, uh Blue Shield or tomorrow, Blue Shield is coming to volunteer with us. So it's everyone from, you know, their frontline staff to their leadership staff come out and volunteer. Okay. So how does that work? You've got your core volunteers, right? Mm -hmm. You've got your core people who are very passionate about mm -hmm. working with you on a regular basis. When you bring in 25 people from Blue Cross, how do you gel them all together for the day? And right now in our constrained facilities, it's a little challenging. But you know what? Um, two things happen when you get a big group together. One, it's an opportunity for us to talk about food insecurity and educate folks and for them to become great champions of helping these folks that are hungry. And so we pair each person up to one of our regular volunteers. They share the job for the day. In addition, we always have more to do. So, for instance, we received a pallet of potatoes yesterday. It's going to take 10 people to break that pallet of potatoes down into individual bags oh. of 10 potatoes each okay. to redistribute. So there's always things I to see. do. So you're getting them to do that kind you of bet. stuff. You oh, bet. Okay. It's very hands-on. Yeah, it must be a, a good team building thing for it, them too. It's a right? great team building. Yeah. Um, we have people that are in the parking lot with their yellow vests on, collecting the grocery carts, directing traffic. Wow, there's a lot to do. Yeah. And what is your need for volunteers? Do you we need, like regular volunteers? We need regular volunteers on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, from eight thirty to twelve thirty or nine to twelve thirty. Um, and there's a bunch of different roles that they can play. We really do need people that are willing to work in the parking lot collecting carts because our parking lot is so far is so spread out and we only have so many carts we've got to keep those carts coming right. back in um, Tuesday Thursday always need volunteers to help process food on a regular basis so we're short right now in an entire week of about 20 regular volunteers so you're as I'm sitting here talking to you your job is like being the general manager of Safeway I mean, in it some kind regards, of is like that, it right? is. It is. Except yeah. for the cash that comes yep. in. Yep. Yep. We're running. But it, the it's... cash comes in at a different door. Correct. Yeah. Correct. You've got to keep that. Wow. Okay. Um, so, how can people contact you? How? What's the best way to find you? So, um, we on our website, which is about ready to launch a brand new website, but right now our phone number and address is on there. My email is there, so they can pick up the phone or send us an email. Send me a text. So a quick Google search. Yep, it'll Rancho come right Cordova, Food Locker. Food Locker. Rancho Cordova Food Locker. In fact, if you Locker. just pile in Rancho Cordova Food Locker. It pops it right pops up. It pops right up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we're also on social media now. We're on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. You and can find us there. And who does all that, your social media? Um, we have a company that we partnered with yeah. to do that for us. It was probably one of the best investments we made yeah. because um, that awareness building has been yeah. tremendous, more so from the point of um, – building awareness for the, our service, but also helping us to raise money. So now I'm the CEO of XYZ Corporation, mm -hmm. and I just happen to be listening to this. What can I do? 
Oh my gosh, if your company um, would like to come volunteer, we would love to have that and do some team building. But more so, maybe do a fundraiser. We really need another commercial van <laughs> to help us collect that food that's out there. Right. That's a huge need right now. Transportation is one of our biz biggest expenses. Wow. But the problem is, of course, I, I was just thinking, which I'm not going to say on here because we had we mm -hmm. had them here. Um, but then I was thinking, well, go to them. And I was going to tell you who it was. But then I guess you're just one food locker in the region probably, right? Sure. And so we try to really look at um, our local companies to support us. It doesn't make sense for me to go to you Roseville. You try to stay within Rancho. We do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think people want to support their local community. And um, I think Rancho Cordova is a thriving business community. And so I'm sure that um, we've already experienced a lot of support from that yeah. business community. Well, Carrie, I'm definitely very happy that I've learned so much um, about um, the Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker. Mm -hmm. And as we get to the end, I'd like to invite you to our lightning round of questions. And if yeah. you've listened, you know what they are. But, you know, we I've learned now that people listen. They're going to be guests and they hear them. So I switch them up. Okay. So some so, of them are new. Okay. So let's start. So what is one word others would use to describe you? Passionate. Passionate. And I, I bet that's true. And what is one word you would use to describe yourself? And it could be the same. Go-getter. Yeah. If you could be a person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? Um, I'd like to be Steve Harrington at in the city of Rancho Cordova for a day. He runs all of the um, environmental programs and um, what is his title? He does. Uh, he works at the city. Yes. Yeah. And he's he's an environmentalist, like I wanted to be. Right. So I would love to be an environmentalist with him so for going, the day. Maybe you should switch jobs. I know. That I know. Would be easy, right? Yeah. Say, hey, come and come here. He, he'd probably, <laughs> he's probably he would die. Mm -hmm. What is your biggest pet peeve? the judgment that people give to people that are hungry. Yeah. What is one app on your phone that you can't live without? Um, Signal. Because it's how I communicate with my, we have a family chat on Signal and it's probably the greatest joy of my life because yeah. my kids are spread out across the country. Right. And so we're always posting pictures of the grandchildren and everything. And so I love Signal. What is something about you that a few people would know? That a few people wouldn't know? Yeah. Um, I ran three marathons. You did? Mm -hmm. Four marathons? Three. Like 20 whatever miles? 26.2. Holy moly. You did? Yes. I actually ran the London Marathon. You did? Yes. Wow. How long did it take you? A long time. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter, right? Just accomplishing it. It was. That was my goal. You did the London one? That I must did. have been fun. It was incredible. Yeah. Because you go all through mm -hmm. central London, right? Yeah. I we mean, started in Greenwich Village, went yeah. across, you know. Wow. Uh, London Not Greenwich Bridge. Village, Greenwich. Greenwich. Yeah. Greenwich. Greenwich Village in New York. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You started Greenwich and you yeah. end up in central London. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. What were the other ones you did? Uh, the Sacramento Marathon and the San Francisco Marathon. Good for you. You got to keep doing that or no? Those days are done. Yeah. Okay. Um, if I got into Carrie's car and turned on the radio, what am I going to hear? Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And finally, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your mother? Oh, my gosh. Um, to take care of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Well, we've been speaking with Carrie Johnson, the executive director of the Rancho Cordova Community Food Locker, an organization that I personally am in awe of and that does great work helping the folks in need in our community. Carrie, thank you thank very you. much for being here. I've been trying to get you here for a long time, as you know. <laughs> and here you are. And most importantly, thank you so much on behalf of the Rancho Cordova community for you, everything you do, and everything especially your volunteers do. Thank you. The and city. the volunteers are critical. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website, which is www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. You can listen to all the past shows, and you can send us any comments or so show suggestions you may have. My name is Charles Lego, and until next time. Thank you.